0: Welcome to Jungle Land, the leading Idaho State University sports podcast. I am one of your hosts, McLean Westbrook, and I am joined, as always, or as most times at least, by Gage Westbrook. Hello, and you know what, Gage? Uh, it's been a couple days now since Idaho State's home opener. Uh, we've had some time to marinate in and feel, and uh, kind of get a feel for how that how the game went. You know, emotions are gone. Um, so now we, we, we just kind of we can kind of accept how the game went and we can just kind of evaluate the performance uh, objectively without the the stain of, of emotion and subjective um, subjective thoughts. This one kind of this one kind of bites, huh?
1: Uh, I I mean I would have loved to get a big win in the renovated Holt arena, which looked phenomenal. Um, but I, I kind of expected you and I as a perennial, Perennially perennially good FCS squad, you know, always in playoff contention. So. Yeah, six
0: to seven wins a year, maybe more. Uh, they're usually, if not always, in the playoffs. Uh, so we, we talked about it yesterday. I mentioned that I read that Northern Iowa is always a good measuring stick for Big Sky teams. And if this game was the, the measuring stick then to show us how far away Idaho State is from competing uh, on a on a uh, continuous consistent, consistent basis. Um, we're we're pretty far we're pretty far away from that.
1: Yeah, and you know you see it in the game. Um, there are a lot of moments I felt like watching when you know we looked a little lost out there especially on the defensive side um you know we did have some we did make some plays there were there were a couple of big plays on defense and offense uh, unfortunately just weren't able to capitalize weren't able to turn out those plays consistently and it just was a bit of a mess for the Bengals.
0: yeah you know we we try to stay optimistic on the show obviously we we know kind of the state of this program and where it's at so we're not expecting Necessarily uh, immediate success, complete turnaround, and, and Cinderella story. Even though my my score predictions the last few weeks may may imply that, um, but we do know kind of where this team is at. This isn't necessarily a shock. Not what we hoped for, of course, but we're not necessarily surprised by it. And I mean that. I know that sounds negative when I say it like that, but I don't I don't mean it negatively. But you know it. I can't help but but I had flashbacks, Gage, sitting in Holt Arena, the newly renovated seats. the The student section was great. Um, honestly, uh, I think I think uh, the game attendance officially was was seven thousand tickets, and then like the actual turnstile attendance was closer to 5,500 5, or something like that. It looked like we had a pretty okay crowd on hand on Holt Arena, in Holt Arena on Saturday, and then. On a positive note, most people, including the student section, stayed late into the fourth quarter, Uh, and the game was decided well before that point. So the fact that there were that many people there, maybe they were there to see the new team with Hawkins, maybe they were there to see the new innovations at Holt, but a decent amount of people showed up, and they, for the most part, stayed pretty late into the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually, uh, if you see a score like that, you might get, uh, might get fans piling out at halftime but I think everyone the, the atmosphere before the game was good I think everyone was excited for football season to be back at Holt but I gotta be honest Gage watching that game on Saturday uh there was a couple times where I was getting some nasty flashbacks to last year's home opener against central Arkansas and in a lot of ways the game played out kind of like that
1: mm-hmm. and you know it's it was what was expected it's I mean, just from the perspective of having won two games combined in the last two seasons, your program is going to struggle out of the gate. They're not going to turn it around immediately. I mean, we don't have Deion Sanders walking through that door. You know, Coach Prime isn't going to be, you know, bringing in five-star transfers to play for Idaho State. So it's it's a part of the process, and, you know, just like Joel Embiid, you have to trust
0: the process. Um you're trying to cram in as many sports references as you can, I see.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, what is sports talk but just repeating the same talking points that everybody else has? Of course, of but course. You got to you have to trust that, you know, this is the starting off point and things can only get better from here. Um and I you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like we got demoralized on the field because I don't think we did. I think we showed enough fight and we made enough uh, solid plays that we can look back at certain moments in the game and say, hey, I'm proud of this play. I'm proud of the way we we fought here. Um, But there were a lot more instances where we didn't know or we didn't make that play. So, again, it's just – it's – it's a bit of a reality setting in that this is going to be a long season and this is going to be a long rebuild. It but there's still cause for optimism.
0: Definitely a bit of a reality check game. I think I let myself get a little, little carried away. Cause we, we started, we started this, and we, we before the season started, we looked at the game against San Diego State, we looked at the game against Utah State, and we looked at this game against Northern Iowa, and said, you know what? That's a tough out of conference schedule. This team's still rebuilding. We have a lot of faith in Cody Hawkins. He seems like the the right guy. He's saying a lot of great things out of camp, out of uh, preseason but we knew this was going to be a tough season for a rebuilding team. And so you get that game against San Diego State where still played a little sloppy, but a lot of good things to take from it. You had a competitive game against a Mountain West opponent to start out the season, start out the Cody Hawkins era. And I think everyone got very optimistic. And then you have that game against Utah State, which like we covered, like we covered before, just a wild game, a wild game, wild second quarter, wild couple minutes there. So you're almost, at that point, it's kind of hard to tell what to make of this team because they they have some bad moments, but they also have had those good moments against San Diego State. They stayed competitive even against Utah State. They didn't completely stop fighting. They still scored a couple touchdowns after going down by so many points. And so then you get to this game against Northern Iowa, and we said, you know, this is an actual FCS opponent. Obviously, their program is a lot better, a lot farther along than Idaho State's, but we'll have at least a chance to kind of see, gauge where this team is at, and hopefully learn a bit more about this team than we did against those FBS opponents. Because out-of-conference scheduling for FCS, out-of-conference scheduling for Big Sky, it just... It's hard to tell what that means. Portland State gets killed by the Ducks uh, of Oregon, 81 to 7, one week. Then two weeks later, they schedule an opponent that barely even has a football team and beats them 93 to 0. So what are we to make of that? Montana almost loses to Ferris State, a D2, a legitimate D2 program, but D2 nonetheless. You have uh, it was a it was a weird. We're a couple weeks in the Big Sky Conference, but the point is, you have this game against Northern Iowa, and you think, we can finally learn a thing or two about these Bengals and and maybe find out something a bit more concrete. And I think what we learned is that we're still rebuilding. Uh, Harkins has been here for less than a year. Before that, we had a coach that was here for less than a year. Before that, we had a coach that got fired after a one-win season. Uh, so, Idaho State's rebuild has been going on. It's almost... It's never even really got the chance to start. Uh, Idaho State's rebuild has been been going on for a couple seasons now, and we haven't really even seen it get going. Uh, it didn't really get the chance under our last head coach, and so now with Hawkins, his job is to rebuild this program, and that is going to take uh, one step at a time. Rome wasn't built in a day. Mm-hmm. Pyramids, something or yeah, other.
1: And And the comforting thing for... Cody Hawkins, at least I would assume, is that he's gonna have a multiple, multiple year leash um, to get this thing right because it, the the expectation is not you know six wins this season or even next season. It's can you make the investments ISU's athletic department has made into the football program worth it? Can you make the multi-million dollar renovation of Holt worth it? Can you fill that stadium with a quality product that then brings in fans and revenue to the school? Can you give ISU and its boosters and its alumni something to be proud of? Um, And that's a lot to ask of one coach in one season. So it's it's a multi-year thing, and that's – the message i I'd, I'd like to get across is that you know at this point in the program like we may not see our first win even this season like it's not a guarantee that we win any of the games on our schedule but the the goal is to just get better each and every game
0: i'd say it's less than not being a guarantee we don't even have a a great chance to win any of the games on our schedule from a purely mathematical standpoint Um, But I I think also you bring up the fact that uh, the expectations for Hawkins coming in, I think it's even less of an on-field expectation uh, when you talk about him having a longer leash. I feel like after our last head coach, the expectation has been reset. I don't know about administration, I can't speak for Idaho State's athletic department, but at least for fans, as far as I can tell, I think the expectation is even less so about winning right now uh, more focused on maybe long-term success, but also more focused on just having a coach that you can you can say, you know, he may not he may not be winning every week, but at least he's he's a good guy. Uh, he's he's doing he's helping out players become become better men. He's helping out uh, a team grow. And I think so far what we've seen from Hawkins is that he's doing that. Uh, we've talked about that throughout the the show so far this year. Uh, you got that vibe. If you listen to the interview I did with uh, Coach Hawkins, is just a a guy that you can give him give him some time to get the the program winning. But for right now, I think he's he's saying all the right things. He's acting acting good. He's he's a good good guy. It seems like that wants to actually help try to build something here beyond on field success. Help out players. Mm-hmm. We talked and, about that a lot, yeah. and so I'm I'm more than willing to give him that give him that leeway
1: and if we can have a coach that maybe maybe won't immediately turn the program around but if he's like interested and committed to the development of these young men um athletically and academically then i don't think that you can ask more of someone in his position like if he if he's making that commitment and he's actually improving these kids lives and their commitment to their education, and their play on the field. You know, you may not see results day one, week one, year one, but it's it's all you can really ask. And so while watching the game on the TV um, and watching the uh, the Bengals lose big again in Holt Arena, um, you think, well, it can't get any worse than this. But the hope, and I, I believe the trajectory of the program is that it is getting better. We are putting more and more resources into this. There is a concerted effort to get better. That's why we hired a young, offensive-minded head coach. Well, we
0: just had the grand reopening of uh, Holt Arena.
1: Yeah, and and that's I think the um, the progress to get Holt Arena to be a 21st century stadium and we brought in a coach who is a 21st century coach you know not born in the 21st century but has the philosophy philosophy of hey i want to throw this ball i want to score points i want excitement on the field so again we are we are definitely as a university trying to get to that point where our football program is something we can watch and be excited about and for and see those results on the field. We we are just not there yet as a program.
0: Yeah, all of this, all of this to say, oh, we're we're going, we're talking about this, we're having this discussion. Just long story short, I was a little overzealous in some One, of my score yeah, predictions, so, man, dude. Um, so uh, going forward, I will I will temper my expectations a little bit. We'll get into our score predictions for this week later, um, but for right now, for right now, let's let's. I know I know you might not want to, but let's talk about the northern Iowa game a little bit.
1: I am taking bets right now about McLean's score prediction. Uh we have we have McLean at <laughs> the over for McLean predicting a an Idaho State win. Uh that's what I'm betting right now. But well,
0: if I predict it every week, eventually it's gotta hit, right? But uh <laughs> speaking of Idaho State wins, the Idaho State loss on Saturday against Northern Iowa and so, uh, last week when we when we did our preview episode about this game, we had uh, Weber State Weekly, the podcast. I think they responded to us on Twitter, and they said—because uh, Weber State just played Northern Iowa the week before, as we talked about. And Weber State, uh, they go down in that game, they, they tie it up, and eventually they kind of just steamroll over Northern Iowa a little bit in the second half to win— uh, without allowing a, another another score by by uh, the Panthers, and part of the reason they did that was that Iowa turned the ball over six times. Uh, that included a couple of late interceptions by Theo Day. But Weaver State Weekly responded to us and said uh, something along the lines of "Pro tip: If you can get Northern Iowa to turn the ball over six times, you'll probably win." Uh, unfortunately, we did not get Northern Iowa to turn the ball over. Any times, yep.
1: actually. They, Lost the turnover battle, two to nothing. That
0: is just that's just good football from Northern All Iowa. Right. That is just clean football. Hard to do something about that.
1: Didn't make a lot of mistakes, you and I. Uh, and, and
0: Theo Day went from throwing a few interceptions, a couple fumbles, getting sacked, to 29 of 39, 29 completions, 39 attempts, 388 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. He was looking like a Heisman, <laughs> candidate it out there. He was looking like Kurt Warner back in for, for Northern Iowa. For FCS, I believe it's the Walter Payton Award. I believe you are correct. Um, and so in addition to that impressive passing attack, Northern Iowa also had a pretty good-looking run game. Uh, they ended up uh, having 39 run attempts uh, with 139 yards uh, and three touchdowns on the ground.
1: Uh, I mean, they, they ran the ball a lot. We still... We kept them under that 4.0 yards per carry, which is kind of that standard. Just barely. Where you're at staying in front of the chains. per carry. So I think we we did better defending the run defensively um, than we have all season. I mean, we were gashed by Utah State and San Diego State on the ground pretty badly. So to be able to even at least keep them under 4.0 yards per carry, I think, is a win defensively. Um we allowed Theo day to be the highest efficiency best passer against us all for these first three games. That was
0: the weirdest part about this game. It was it was i I, uh, I actually spoke with Joey Dubois about this game, and he said it was a weird game uh, for ISU. But the weirdest part about this game was that, I mean, outside of that second quarter against Utah State, this game so far was, the I think, the worst ISU has looked so far this season. And so we looked better against San Diego State, and in parts of the Utah State game looked better against them. We scored 28 points against both of those. We only managed 17 points against Northern Iowa at home. Um, and so I'm not saying the team's getting worse as the season's going on, but it is interesting to see week to week how, how things can change. Um, opponents uh, are different every week. And so just... Just noting that uh, it's fascinating to see how this team is doing week to week. I think I like to think as the season goes on, we're going to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, common sense would dictate that, but so far we haven't necessarily seen that in some ways. Yeah, um, and
1: uh, I think some of that is has got to be a, just part of the mental game, having to start your season with three very, very tough opponents, two opponents where you're given no chance to win and then a an FCS playoff contender, it's not going to be the smoothest sailing. And I wonder, I wonder what this ISU team would look like with a couple of wins under their belt, uh, if they can play with that confidence and that energy, knowing, hey, we can go out there, we can win football games. It's not that hard. It's not not that it's not hard to win, but it's we know that we have it within ourselves to be able to go out there and impose our will on another team. That's and great, it,
0: great foreshadowing for the week's preview of Northern Colorado. Uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, but well, I wanted to kind of talk about um, how the the flow of this game went because for the first. Ten minutes or so of game time, no scores, uh, 0-0 on the board. Idaho State does some good things on offense. You and I does some good things on offense, but it's not until late in the first quarter that Northern Iowa gets their first touchdown. Then they get the ball back, and on a 53-yard touchdown pass, the O'Day hits Sam Schnee uh, to go up 14-0. And then uh, Thomas Kopcho hits a 49-yard field goal uh, to make it 14-3. i got to I- be honest. When I saw ISU lining up to kick the field goal from the 50-yard line almost.
1: It has been a very, very long time since I saw an ISU kicker I felt confident in. I was not expecting them to hit that. I and I, I don't know what it is about the goalposts and Holt. It's, it's, they're like they're tall and they reach to the ceiling and they don't
0: have a there's no there's no bottom they're, they're attached to the ceiling i think it just makes kicking weird for I've kickers seen, i've seen plenty of field goals in holt that i would have sworn were good that ended up not not but, being, not going through the uprights
1: a, a 49 yard field goal for isu is something i have not seen or prognosticated in a while. So I
0: think that's the so. longest field goal I've seen hit by anyone in uh, in a So they hit Thomas Copcho, that was that was one of the, the big highlights for ISU, I think, was hitting that 49 yard field goal. Um so we're down 14-3 at that point into the second quarter. Uh UNI hits a couple of field goals, one from 47 yards out to go up 20 to three, and then another Theo Day touchdown pass to Stan- Sam Schnee to go up 27 to 3 at halftime. And so, again, game basically over at half. Still a decent number of fans stuck around, and and obviously you like to see that. I think a lot of people probably were just curious to see what kind of fight was left in the, the Bengals team. Maybe people were enjoying uh, the new arena or checking out the offense. Or maybe people were just um, more likely to, to stay longer in Holt because the seats were a little bit more comfortable. That could have something to do with it. So, uh, in the second half, and I hits another field goal. And then that's when Hunter Hayes comes in at quarterback, taking over for Jordan Cook. Uh, Cook, as a matter of fact, went 23 for 35, 249 yards. He did have an interception. But Hayes comes in, and the team basically marches down the field. And Aiden Taylor has, a, I think it was a direct snap to him, but he, he uh, runs it in for a touchdown from the one-yard line. I scores another touchdown in the fourth quarter and then uh, late in the game uh, game's out of reach at that point it's 41-10. but Hunter Hayes throws this beautiful touchdown pass that Michael Michaelsholikoff catches over a defender in the in the corner of the end zone um, and again I just I, I love seeing Sholikoff get some uh, attention and get a touchdown because I, I, I do think he could be an incredible weapon for uh, this this um, this Bengals team. So I, I'm I'm very excited about that. Uh, so, but but I think the main thing to focus on here is that. So Cook plays. I think he plays pretty good at the beginning of the game. He gets a little rattled. Rattled. He has an interception. Uh, still puts up 249 yards. Throws the ball 35 times. Uh, the Bengals don't actually have a a designated a running back run play the entire first half. So we're sticking I, to the throwing game.
1: I will say I you know watching the highlights of the game there were a couple. A couple of cook throws that were in the hands of a bangled receiver, yeah, and it, they just fell or they just dropped it, and it was in the end zone. There were a couple of throws like that, where it's like if if we could have converted on even a couple of those, I mean, we could be talking about a different game. Um, you know, obviously, we didn't, so that's still like, but just just closing out and taking advantage of opportunities to score is something that as a team we have to get better at.
0: Yeah, and I think that a big part of that is the quarterback position. Uh, regardless of how of if those passes are dropped by some of the receivers, um, I, I think uh, just the way the game is, the way fans watch the game, the way college football is, everything comes down to the quarterback as it as it is. Um, so, Jordan Cook again, he puts up puts up a decent amount of decent numbers, a lot of yardage. But we don't score with Cook in at quarterback the entire game, uh, except for that field goal. But then Hunter Hayes comes in, and I think the first drive that Hayes is in, we end up scoring that touchdown run. And then we have that touchdown pass from Hayes to Sholikov. And I think for the most part, Hayes went 7 for 9, 69 yards in that touchdown pass. I think for the most part, he looked a lot more confident under under center or behind the line there in the pocket than uh, Cook did. And I think there was that was kind of the... That was kind of the energy you got it from the fans. A lot of people kind of kind of chanting Hayes's name. You saw some people on Twitter talking about maybe putting Hayes instead of Cook, and and so I think definitely this week the quarterback position is up for conversation. And we talked about this because uh, Hawkins promised. I mean, he he said he was going to rotate some quarterbacks in and out through San Diego State game and the Utah State game, and then when I when I talked to him about it. Um, He said we'd probably see a couple quarterbacks for for this game as well, and we did. We saw Cook, and then the team ends up struggling um, on offense, and we end up seeing Hayes, and the team suddenly does a little bit better. We score a couple of touchdowns in the second half with Hayes in that quarterback. So I think it'll be fascinating to see how the quarterback position is utilized this weekend. Now, Hawkins said even if Hayes isn't the starter this season— you'll still probably expect to see him in 11, 10 to 15 plays a game. Um, I, I do think there's going to be some people out there calling for Hayes to take over the starting position. I think, again, Cook has, has a lot of potential, great arm talent. I just feel like Hayes is a lot more confident, and I mm-hmm. I, I am more confident in Hayes this year than I have been last year or yeah. the years past as yeah. well.
1: And, and you know, there's something to be said. I mean, Hayes is getting some late late-game snaps. Probably against you and I backups and you know, but again, like he's playing with a lot of confidence. He, the offense is moving. We, I think we actually did a pretty good job of moving the ball against you and I.
0: A lot of yeah, a lot of that came we, out of turnovers. Yeah,
1: so we you know looking at just the stats for the game like, um, three hundred forty six total yards. We were six to twelve on on third down, which is a pretty decent mark. Um, I think we end up. With 22 first downs, um, so I mean we we were moving the ball well. We passed at a decent efficiency efficiency wise. Um, we just we turned the ball over a couple of times, um, just some self imposed errors, and we just didn't capitalize on opportunities where we did have to score on offense. Um, defensively, um, obviously, it was a rough first half. We actually we kept pace in the second. Um, both teams went for fourteen points in the second half. So again, it's we just didn't we we let you and I, you know, march down the field um in the in the pass game, and then when we had opportunities to score or move the ball in critical moments, we just weren't able to.
0: Yeah. Um so I, I think it'll be fascinating to see how the quarterback position is approached. I kind of theorized or speculated that as the season went on, once we got past the the first few out of conference games, we'd see a more solid quarterback position with maybe like one guy taking almost all the snaps under center for the Bengals. But I say under center, but I don't think we we ran out of shotgun. We don't. I use that. (laughs) I use that phrase uh, loosely, Um, but I, I don't know. At this point, I feel like we might continue to see some of that rotating quarterback play. Especially if we're not able to kind of capitalize on offense, uh, I, I would I would say I don't know I don't I'm not in Coach Hawkins' head. I don't know what he's up to or what he's planned for this game against uh, Northern Colorado, but I would expect to see both quarterbacks in again. Um, yeah,
1: and I think you know obviously Hunter Hayes has been here for several seasons, um, you know, and he's he's been through a couple different regimes. Um, and you know he's obviously dedicated, loyal to Idaho State. Uh, Jordan, you know he he's Coach Hawkins' guy. He's the guy uh, Cody brought in to play quarterback in his offense. So I think he's probably going to be leaning to Cook, um, just because he wants he he wants Cook as his guy this season, but also moving forward. Um, so giving. Whichever whichever quarterback he chooses, I hope he makes a decision and then goes with it for the rest of the season because that'll set us up. Maybe not for the most success in the present, but we already know we're not going to have that much success currently. I think in the future, next season, the season after that, um, getting quarterbacks reps to develop them, make them more comfortable. You know, see more defensive looks and be able to slow the game down for them and be able to move through their progressions. I, I'd like to see whatever decision coach makes, write it out. So
0: Yeah, I think well if you if you say Hunter Hayes looks more comfortable back there or if he looks better than Cook, that's due to that experience. And the only way for Cook to get more experience is of course to be taking those snaps at quarterback. Um, I I still say you're probably going to end up seeing both of these guys quite a bit for probably the rest of the season. Um, but I do think Hawkins has a lot of confidence in Cook uh, going forward. It'll be fascinating to see how that works out next year with David Harson coming into the program. Um, but quarterback position, everyone always talks about it, um, so that'll be that'll be great to see. Uh, on the receiving side of things, though, I think uh, that was that was something. Something looking at the stat sheet, I feel good about our, our receivers. We have uh Chayden James. Chayden James is, might be a problem this season. He did have a, a fumble, but eight receptions, 121 yards, uh, with a long of 24. So he's just uh, he just works in the in the Bengals system with the perimeter passing they're doing. He's able to just kind of to get lost in some of the coverages mm-hmm. that defenses are, are pulling out against the Bengals and and go for a lot of yards. Yeah, and you know he may play for the Bengals, but. He's a dog. He's a dog. Uh, Christian Fredrickson, obviously, he caught. Uh, he had sixty-five yards uh, receiving on five catches on Saturday. He, like we said, he's he's he was kind of the the number one wide receiver, kind of going into the into the season just because of his experience. Big guy. He's just good. He he's just naturally gifted. at That same thing with Michael Shulikov. uh He had 54 yards on only two receptions, but he had, again had that long touchdown catch. And I, I I keep saying I really I really am excited for the prospect of Sholikoff getting more involved in this offense and getting more passes his way because he is just such an athlete and has such an ability to to get over defenders and stuff. We we've only seen a little bit. Out of him so far this season, but I'm excited for the rest of that. Um, and so with that, I think we can kind of put a pin on this uh, you and I game, unless you want to talk about this uh, 41 to 17 loss anymore, Gage. I do
1: not, but I, I would like to just um, take a quick look at some of our, our team stats. Uh, you know, three games into the season, we're about a quarter of the way through. Um, you know, obviously we're running two quarterbacks primarily. Uh Jordan Cook has uh 62 completions on 107 attempts. Uh while Hunter Hayes has 30 completions on 47 attempts. So Hayes has taken about roughly half the quarterback, you know, attempts. Um, Doesn't seem like it. N- yeah. Well, I you know, he he's running the ball a little bit more. He's actually mm, That's right. Um he's t- Hunter Hayes is tied with uh Raiden Hunter for actual carries and he is He's running the ball um, pretty well for 51 yards, but uh, Jordan Cook, 611 yards to Hunter Hayes, who only has 328. Hunter Hayes has a higher completion percentage, higher average yards per throw, um, and has thrown four touchdowns to one interception. Jordan Cook has two touchdowns to four interceptions. Uh, Cook has been sacked seven times. Hunter Hayes has only been sacked twice, though I think that's more due to him having... Less dropbacks total than Cook. Um, rushing the ball, honestly, there's just not a lot here. Uh, our running backs um, have combined for—it's uh, hard to tell, but you know nobody's really standing out above the rest, um, other than Keoa Kahui. Ten um, carries, forty-two yards, so he's he's averaging four four point two yards per per carry. Um, Hunter Hayes still the leading rusher on the team. Um, receiving wise, Chayden James leads the uh, team with uh, twenty-four receptions and two hundred thirty-five yards. Uh, Christian Fredrickson with ten receptions, one hundred thirty-one. Um, and then, third on the third receiver, freshman Alfred Jordan Jr. Uh, thirteen receptions for one hundred eight yards. Um, Michael Shulikov is leading the Bengals with two tuds. Um, kicking. Uh, cop show is eight for eight on extra points and three for three on field goals.
0: I feel good about that. But now 100%. that now that we mention that, of course, he's gonna miss a few this week. hmm Yeah. Well, hopefully so not. If that does happen, though, direct yeah. your direct your complaints to Jungleland. Have Calvin uh, Calvin
1: Pitcher and Mason Young are tied for lead team leading tackles, each with fourteen. Um, and then. Two players have one sack: Bohannon and Rowe. Uh, Bohannon, corner; uh, Rowe, defensive lineman. Um, so again, not not much on the defensive side. Not nothing's really jumping out. Um, we only have one player with an interception, and that's Mason Young. So I think I think what really is interesting about the stats um, not only is sorry this is this is rookie i need you to i need you to edit edit this part out but i think jumping out to me is shaden james at wide receiver um 24 receptions 235 yards he's obviously he's getting targeted more uh than anybody else and that's cuz he's open yeah um so he's playing exceptionally well uh christian fredrickson i think is probably probably has the surest hands on the team um, but we have a ton of players who've gotten receptions um it looks like over 15 players have at least caught one pass at this point so we are spreading the ball out getting the ball to a lot of players um, on account of the fact that we've attempted uh, 154 passes over three games so we're averaging around 50 pass attempts a game which is crazy and I think you know a lot of that, a lot of what you would associate with that, like stress on quarterbacks' arms and durability, the fact that we're using two quarterbacks that alleviates a lot of that. Again, I think I I think this team's issue is not individual production, but as a team just seizing opportunities and, you know, closing out drives.
0: Yeah, it's gonna take some time to mesh as a team. This is still a really young team overall. Young coach, so a lot to to work on. But there is a sense of optimism in the air, Gage. In case you were not aware, this week, right now, is Homecoming Week, and in addition to being perhaps one of the most fun times on on campus at ISU, just like any other college campus, Homecoming Week is always a blast. A lot of events for current and former students, alumni. Um, the the big thing. Last year, our only win (laughs) the entire season came against Cal Poly during homecoming week. Uh, And so, kind of a similar matchup for this year's homecoming game. We're playing Northern Colorado. And uh, the Northern Colorado Bears are in kind of a bit of a similar situation as Idaho State. They are a team that has not had much success recently, and one that is rebuilding, currently standing at 0-3 after a couple of tough out-of-conference games they have a they have a new coach after the ed mccaffrey era ended at uh, north northern colorado now i don't i didn't really follow that that um story or or era very closely with the bears but it was ed mccaffrey as a head coach for for northern colorado was an interesting interesting time for the bears not interesting in the same way as our previous head coach um, I think Ed McCaffrey was probably in many ways better than our previous head coach, but uh, one that is that I think Northern Colorado is eager to move move on from. Um, and so with that, they brought in new coach Ed Lamb. And so to kind of to kind of learn more about uh, the Northern Colorado Bears, a team that I don't I don't know a ton about, and obviously we want to be able to kind of preview. These games here with a little bit of knowledge. So you'll recall, a couple weeks ago, I reached out to the Scotsman Show podcast for a a Utah State uh, sort of rundown, and so this week I reached out to Bear Claw Media for for a little informational insider information about the Northern Colorado Bears out of Greeley, Colorado. And Bear Claw Media, they just I think they just kind of started up, so they have a podcast. Uh, You can find them on Twitter or X at Bear Claw Media, no spaces. Uh, and then bearclawmedia.com. So they, they have some great information about uh, Colorado sports. So if you're interested in the Nuggets, Avalanche, etc., uh, Broncos, you can you can check some of their work out on there. And they have some great information on Northern Colorado. And so I reached out to Ben of the Bearclaw podcast and asked him kind of for some of his his uh, opinions on the team. And so I, one of the, the things I was interested most in was the coaching staff and then sort of the offense. And he he said uh, Ed Lamb is the man for the job, but is a tough turnaround, a tougher turnaround than uh, Ed Lamb might have expected. I think he wanted to see more progress by now, but a tough schedule uh, took us out of the Abilene Christian game. Uh, the Bears lost Abilene Christian week one. Uh, Ed Lamb is a players coach and lets players lead practices and end of uh, lets players lead breakdowns and end of practice. He also lifts with the team every day. Uh, which is a, a cool thing to see. I think in a, in a lot of ways, um, and this is kind of an easy comparison to make just because of the recent successes or lack thereof of the programs, but I think in a lot of ways right now, Northern Colorado kind of parallels Idaho State. Uh, you have the have a new coach come in trying to rebuild this team, and he seems to be the guy for the job, but it's going to take some work. So when it comes to the offense, uh, Blair Peterson is the Bears' offensive coordinator. And Ben of Bear Claw Media said that he coached Zach Wilson at BYU and he helped Southern Utah increase their offensive production. The offense is better and more diverse than McCaffrey's was for the Bears.
1: Hey, I will say, if you coached Zach Wilson in college and got him to be a a top top draft pick, you must be doing something right because that boy is
0: no good. (laughs) Whoa. Huge huge slam on on the QB one for the New York Jets. Well Okay. Q B one asterisk. The offense is better and more diverse than it was with Ed McCaffrey, but putting points on the board, uh actually the offensive coordinator for Northern Colorado under Ed McCaffrey was his son, Max McCaffrey, and the quarterback was his other son, Dylan McCaffrey. So there were other concerns. With the McCaffrey era about some nepotism going on. It yeah, was Christian, the team mascot. Like I don't know. I don't know if he had much of a hand in that. I think he was busy. Um, but putting points on the board for the Bears against tough opponents hasn't really happened outside of the second half of the Wazoo game. So last week, the Bears get a little bit steamrolled by Washington State, and then they put up a few touchdowns very late in the game against some Washington uh, State uh, backups. So something something positive there for the Bears uh, but still not not a fantastic much like ISU I think ISU actually might have had a bit better of an out of conference uh, outing this season than Northern Colorado did So for defensive coordinator uh the Bears have Preston Hadley and uh we're told that, uh, this is this is a direct quote. Ben of Bearclaw Media says, and I quote, "He's a dog."
1: He says, <laughs> okay, all right, he's just a dog for real.
0: <laughs> Hadley uh, gets uh, kids tutored up and motivates them. He's a great defensive coach and has gotten a lot of players better. If you look at the scores, it's mainly not getting outclassed, but just a breakdown of assignment. And I, do, would you say that's that's a similar to to some of ISU's defense?
1: Yeah. So. I- Rarely, rarely are ISU defenders getting beat, and you know this is just from watching a couple of the games, um, and not getting a, a full, full like twenty-two player view of it. Um, I think rarely do the Bengals get beat one on one. It's rather a breakdown of coverage or a breakdown of assignment where uh, a player didn't fully. Didn't know where his zone was, or didn't know what portion of the field he was covering, or switched onto a offensive player he wasn't supposed to. And those are things that are coachable. Those are the mistakes you'd rather see than just getting completely blown, getting your doors blown off because you're not athletic enough, you're not fast enough. That is not the Bengals issue on defense. So I think similar situation where they have players who can be successful. It's just getting them. To that point, schematically, where they understand what their assignments are, and where they need to be on the field at any given point.
0: All right, and so then I also I asked um, Ben what what do Northern Colorado fans kind of expect from Ed Lamb, and what do they expect the next couple seasons to look to look like for the Bears? Uh, and he said something that, that reminded me a lot of Hawkins. He said, They don't really know quite what to expect. It's tough to be 3-0, and but Ed Lamb is wholesome and has shown a team has improved week-to-week. Um, not sure if there's enough stars on UNC to be competitive with top teams uh, currently, but uh, Lamb makes each kid a lot better and stronger, and the Bears are looking to be consistently at 500. Uh, so, a 500 team in the next few years. And that, I feel like that's very similar to what we kind of expect out of Hawkins, is that not immediate success, but definitely a good good guy, a players coach, uh, someone who can help uh, young, young football players not only be better at football, but be better at being young men. Um, and hopefully the Bengals can at least be consistently competitive so uh, again a lot of similarities between us and northern colorado now on the offense uh starting for the bears at quarterback is jacob simon um and simon uh, according to bear claw media he's uh he's kind of a kind of a gritty player never gives up and commits himself to limiting turnovers he has a lot of uh, good arm strength and placement of the ball and then running backs found a lot of success last week against washington state uh, with a with a rare 100 yard rusher, and then the Bears have a lot of depth at tight end and wide receiver. However, again, just like uh, Idaho State, the offensive line is inconsistent. Uh, so wide receivers take their time, kind of getting open, and then uh, that doesn't help uh, UNC's quarterback Jacob Simon, who doesn't usually have enough time to wait for those quarterback for those receivers to get open
1: and i think i think an advantage of playing a a more west coast style of offense where you're getting the ball out quickly is you really mask deficiencies on the offensive line um when you're able to get that ball out so either the throw is there or you throw it away um and i think you know we've been sacked 9 we've we've had 9 sacks so average about 3 a game um which on paper you'd think would be a little bit more Playing against F- FBS opponents and against you and I, but I think we've we've limited some of the ways our offensive line could have uh, hurt, hurt hurt or harmed the team. Um, in that same vein, there have been a lot of hurried and rushed throws that led to, you know, incompletions or interceptions. So,
0: yeah. So on defense, um, the secondary is good at man coverage for Northern Colorado. And players at all positions are are able to force turnovers. However, um, they have trouble getting pressure on the quarterback. And so these are things that I think are, are positives for, for ISU. If you're going up against this Bears defense that maybe hasn't been able to get pressure on the quarterback. Now, admittedly, um, that, is, again, is against a, a tougher schedule or tougher opponents than ISU is. Uh, like we've said the offensive line for for the Bengals has not been the best, yeah, uh, and that's been a, been true for a while now. Yeah, and if uh, they're
1: if they're going to be playing man, if that's what they're best at, and that's what they're going to be going to, um, on the Bengals side, what they really are going to want to do is bring in a lot of different personnel packages and try to find the mismatch- mismatches. Try to find that linebacker on a receiver or linebacker on a tight end. Well, linebacker on our one tight end. Um, or a linebacker on a running back. Just try to find those mismatches where you think, "Hey, I can exploit this one-on-one right now." Maybe Chayden James is against their number three corner instead of their number one corner. So, again, um, I think a lot of motion, a lot of a lot of uh, pre-snap at the line adjustments. Um, if Coach Hawkins trusts his quarterbacks to make those kinds of adjustments, would go a long way in helping the Bengals succeed.
0: Yeah, uh, and then wrapping up, um, so names to kind of watch out for on uh, Northern Colorado side. On offense, you've got quarterback Jacob Simon, which we talked about, wide receiver Jamari Robertson, and running back David Afari. So on defense, look out for defensive backs Tazell Lewis and Taiwan Harris, and then defensive lineman Christian Wren. Um And so in my evaluation of this game, Gage, my very limited sort of knowledge of Northern Colorado football, I think this is going to be, I think this, obviously, we talked about this before the season, homecoming, you're playing against Northern Colorado, a team very similar in in, in talent where they're at right now as a football team. I think this is perhaps Idaho State's best shot at getting a win this year. It uh, is,
1: without a doubt, our most winnable game. Absolutely.
0: Maybe against Portland State, uh, but we'll see. Um, But I I think this is a very evenly matched game. Um, I think Idaho State's looking at this game and thinking, "Okay, we we have a shot at getting a win here. And I think Northern Colorado is looking at this game and thinking, "Okay, we got a shot at getting a win here, upsetting uh, the Bengals for their homecoming. Um, So you have... Now, one of the interesting things here is that I, I do think... Northern Colorado has the potential to go into Holt this Saturday and score some points against the Bengals' defense. However, looking at that schedule, that out-of-conference schedule that they played, um, so the Bears week one, or, or was this week zero, August 31st, uh, they played Abilene Christian and lost 31-11. to And uh, Abilene Christian, quality, quality program. Next week they go and play Incarnate Ward, uh, who again— Another good FCS team. They lose that game forty-two to seven. The most points they put up is against that loss to number twenty-three ranked Washington State. Uh, they lose sixty-four to twenty-one. So the Bengals put up twenty-eight points against San Diego State, twenty-eight points against Utah State, and then seventeen against Northern Iowa. And the Bears only managed to cross to score more than seventeen once against Washington State. Um, so as as I gathered, Bears fans were kind of kind of happy about being able to put up three touchdowns against the Cougars, but it does kind of come with a bit of an asterisk saying those were those were late scores, um, but still better than not scoring uh, late. So I, I don't know if I don't know how much confidence I put in Northern Colorado's offense. Um, obviously, a tough out of conference schedule, just like ISU has had. But ISU has been able to score a lot more points than uh, Northern Colorado has so far. Um, from the defensive side of things, I don't think... <laughs> let me let me just say, I don't think this is going to be a, a low-scoring game. I think this is probably going to be a high-scoring game. And if you look back to that game against Cal Poly last year for homecoming, Idaho State ends up winning 40-31 to in a game that probably shouldn't have been quite that close. Um, but I would expect this game to be very similar to that. I'm going to say it's going to be high scoring, probably going to stay fairly close. It's going to be – I think it's going to be sloppy, though. Um, so, so last year, Cal Poly, Spencer Brash threw for 394 yards against Idaho State, four touchdowns, and then four interceptions. And then Hayes threw for 200 yards, a touchdown, and also an interception. So, I think that's the kind of game that we're probably going to see this Saturday. Game that'll probably be at some level fun to watch because it'll be competitive, probably high scoring, but sloppy. I don't think we're gonna we're gonna see a, the best fundamental football, and that's not a slight against either team. I'm just saying that's kind of where we're at right now.
1: Yeah, and this is the kind of game where, as a Bengal fan, if there's gonna be one game you're gonna watch this season. I would probably pick this one. It's gonna be the one where we're most
0: evenly matched. We've got a shot to win. Uh, it's homecoming. People are gonna be there. I think Holt's gonna be pretty filled. Student section is it's most full on homecoming, of course. I mean at the very least, get down to Holt arena. get yourself some pretzel bites, all right? I don't know, gage the last time I was at Holt arena this Saturday, there were no pretzel bites on the on the south side of Holt. What? I don't know if they have them on the north side. You gotta be I'm telling you I went into the i entered the uh- south side. I asked for pretzel bites. They had none. I had to get nachos instead, which were fine, but they were not pretzel bites. Are you, so I have been a student
1: and an alumnus of Idaho State University for a combined four to five years.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Are you telling me they've taken away the best concession
0: they have ever sold? I don't know. I can't confirm. The, the, the person I talked to, the lady behind the counter, said they might have them on the north side.
1: I have been so unlucky as to not have been able to attend. And I say game this year. There's only been one. I have not been able to
0: attend. Well, two if you count the one in Logan. I don't. <laughs> okay.
1: I would I might start a boycott of Holterina if they don't bring back the pretzel bites. Those things were little 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 balls of deliciousness, of joy. All right. I will make a note Maybe of Maybe a little it. nacho cheese.
0: I will make Are you a note of it me. To Are
1: you kidding me? All right, I will not stand for this. I'm see- I'm actually see- seated,
0: seated, right now. Seated, that's that's great. Well, you know I, I have contact with Pauline and and Coach Hawkins. I'll see what I can do, Gage. I need to
1: go straight to the top. Give me Satterly. <laughs>
0: okay, uh, well, with Gage's uh, crusade for Pretzel Bites out of the way, I think it's time to do the score prediction for this game, Gage. Would you like to go first? No. Okay. So, Gage, now, just doing the math here. So, these first three out-of-conference games for Idaho State at the beginning of the season, we were not expecting them to win. Then you get that close game against San Diego State, and that kind of changes things. Because if you'll recall, my score prediction for that San Diego State game, I had San Diego State winning by a couple of scores. I still had it fairly close, I think. But... first off. You gave four score predictions. I did give four score predictions. I'm pretty sure your fourth and w- the one you rolled
1: with, you had Idaho State winning.
0: Did you? No, not? no. I I I did not actually predict Idaho State winning that game. However, once I saw San Diego State uh, or once I saw ISU stay competitive with San Diego State throughout the entire game, I got a little over optimistic. And then I predicted that they would beat Utah State. And then I predicted that they would beat University of Northern Iowa, and so now that we have a much better perspective on where this team is and how far away they are competing, I think at this point I've chosen them to win two weeks in a row, and so I've got to stop choosing the Bengals to win because um, it just it's just not it, they're just not in the position where they can expect to win every game. Or, or even when most games, or even win a, a, a decent amount of games. So I have to stop selecting the Bengals to win. But this week is not the week that I stop selecting the Bengals to win. I get the Bengals win 38-28. 38-28. Ten, 38-28 in a sloppy game. It's going to be loud and holds. The The student section is going to be cheering. You're going to see an interception or two. You're going to see some fumbles. You're also going to see a lot of fun, fun scores. I think Shulikov's getting another one. I think Fredrickson is is getting a lot of yards. I think Chayden James is going to be an absolute beast, unstoppable. You know, I even think Hunter Hayes might get in on the action and have a rushing touchdown again. I, I think I think we're going to see Cook start out. I think we're going to see Hayes work into the offense, and I think we're going to have an all around fun game. Maybe if you're not a fan of either school, you're gonna look at it and be like, "This was a sloppy game." But if you're a fan of Idaho State football, you're gonna look at that and say, "Hey, we got a win on the season. We got a win during homecoming. Win in front of the students and boosters and alumni, and uh, we got a 38-28 win for the Bengals."
1: Again, I have nothing but the utmost love, respect, and admiration from McClellan Westbrook as a co-host, as a man talking about Bengal football, putting himself out there and predicting a Bengal win. I have nothing but love, admiration, and respect. I have the Bengals losing 31-27.
0: Why are you choosing the Bengals to lose to Northern Colorado on homecoming and only by four points? So here's the thing, right,
1: is that I love Idaho State. I love if Idaho be State football. If it's going to be that football.
0: close, why not just choose the Bengals to win?
1: I enjoy the fact that right now I'm pretty sure I'm three and O and you're one and two on the season.
0: On predicting winners, but that's just because I keep keep uh, saying ISU is gonna win.
1: Well, I just think it'll be nice to look back at the season and say I told you so.
0: Now I I understand that I am putting my credibility here at risk a little bit by by keeping by by keeping keep on selecting the Bengals, but I, I can't not I can't not pick the Bengals to win this one. Not, not against this opponent, not in, not, in, not in Holt, not on homecoming week. I can't pick against the Bengals. So the, I'm a victim of circumstance. I had a couple of bad picks, and now I have to pick the Bengals for the third week in a row. They're playing Northern Colorado. It's homecoming. It's, it's the game that we're most likely to win all season, and Gage is picking against them. So he's, saying, he's basically saying that we're not going to get a single win this year. That's what I'm hearing out of Gage.
1: Uh, I think that probably our one win this season will probably be against UC Davis.
0: You you think you think uh, Cody Hawkins has has the has his dad's number? If
1: I had to tell you which game we were gonna win this season, it's gonna be that one because I think it's gonna be a weird game. I think, I don't think Idaho State has an advantage in weird games.
0: I disagree. I think we're winning both. I think we're winning Northern Colorado. I think we're winning UC Davis, and I think we're we're sneaking in another victory somewhere. So I'm sticking with my three win prediction that I had at the start of the season.
1: Hmm.
0: We we will see. I hope that I hope the Bengals offense shows up a lot more against uh, Northern Colorado. I think they will than they did it against Northern Iowa all these northern teams, man.
1: Yeah. I think I think ultimately the difference in this game is going to be the turnover battle and I think Idaho state is probably going to lose that battle. And um, it's unfortunate and you know, it's a young team where mistakes happen and that's going to ultimately be the downfall. I think we'll probably turn the ball over a couple a couple times too many in a couple of uh, crucial positions and give No co, a an advantage. So,
0: I'm gonna say this I uh I I mean this with the utmost respect and admiration and appreciation to the Bear Claw Media Bear Claw Media podcast for giving us their their takes. I mean this with the utmost uh respect for Northern Colorado. I think you're giving a little too much credit to the to this Northern Colorado team because I don't think. Again, I think this is a fairly evenly even matchup here, and I think it's a, the Bengals' best shot at winning. So I'm predicting Hoco we beat NoCo and go on to. I don't. I okay. I we're we're winning this week. That's what I'm saying.
1: I I, I respect the attempt.
0: Well, go out, have fun at homecoming, uh, all you alumni out there. Make sure to to go to whatever whatever uh, reunion that you've got scheduled, maybe a golf tournament here in town at Highland or something like that. Uh, so, so enjoy the homecoming events. Show up to the game ready to cheer on and, uh, and uh, make it difficult for those Bears to get a win on Saturday. So uh, with that being said, go Bengals. And Daddy Hawkins, prove me wrong.